Our topic this week from the book of Genesis, Genesis 18 and 19, Abraham saw the Lord. And we looked at some of this chapter last week. We're going to be looking at a different aspect of these verses. So going back to starting at verse 1, the Lord appeared to him, Abraham, by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day, Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. He ran to them and bowed himself to the ground. And so it starts off here with the Lord appearing to Abraham. And then in verse 2, mentioning that he looks up and he sees three men standing by him. And then he gets up and he runs to them and bows before them. And so we have the Lord mentioned, Yud Hey Vav Hey, and we have three men. So who are these three men? And where is the Lord that appeared to him? Is that a fourth? So is it three men appearing that he's seeing them and running to them and the Lord just kind of hovering above or just speaking, appearing in his mind or in a vision? So this is what we're going to look at and discover as we look at this chap, these two chapters. Who are these three men who come and visit Abraham? So jumping to verse 6, Abraham hurried to the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three measures of fine meal and knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. He took butter and milk and the calf, which he had prepared, and he set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. There's a lot of running going on around here. Abraham runs to meet them, and then he runs in and tells Sarah to quickly make some bread, and then he runs to this young man, gets a, runs to the herd, gets a calf, runs to this young man, tells him to prepare it. The young man prepares it quickly. I don't know what the big hurry is about. We didn't just sit around in the wilderness, right? He's just sitting at the front of the tent. Nothing's going on. It's high, hot day. What's this big hurry and run? But uh, anyway, and then he shares with them this meal of fresh-baked Bread, no doubt, uh, unleavened bread. We didn't have time for really to rise and needed and, and made cakes that quickly. And uh, so some matzah and butter, milk, and a calf. And uh, as we mentioned last week, that is not in accordance with modern rabbinical law. Um, biblical law says don't boil a kid in its mother's milk. And modern rabbis have interpreted that to mean uh, don't serve them together. But right here we have uh, Abraham serving these this meal to these three men, and they ate it. Um, and that's where we get the, the whole kosher separation of meat and dairy. That's why you can go into a store and you can buy a, a applesauce, and it might have a koshering label on it. There's various different organizations that give their label. And you might wonder, how on earth can a jar of applesauce be kosher or unkosher for that matter, uh, that it needs that label on it? And it has to do with, again, the rabbinic modern uh, interpretation and laws of it, that, uh, that if that can of applesauce was canned or jarred in a factory, that maybe all the way on that end, they are canning meat. And all the way on that end, they're canning dairy. Well, then... Everything there is kaput. Everything there is unkosher and cannot receive the kosher label. Or if there's pork in that 
uh, being canned in that facility, then that can't be a kosher labeled uh, applesauce. And so everything about the whole entire process. But we see here, uh, biblically, it just says don't boil a kid and its mother's milk. And I agree, we should not boil a calf or a kid, uh, the meat and its mother's milk. That's what the Bible says. Um, but as far as uh, eating them in the same meal, uh, according to this, uh, Abraham did it, butter, milk, and a calf. Verse 10, he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which he was behind him. Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also. So this he could be the Lord. Could be the Lord again speaking, appearing in a cloud or amidst, in a mist, or one of the three men. Just as he. But obviously this he has some prophetic insight to predict that Sarah is going to have a child within a year's time. And that he's going to return and be there for the uh, celebration and come again at that time. Sarah laughs within herself. So not out loud, just inside herself. And then in verse 13, it says, The Lord, yod Vavay, said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. For she was afraid, and he said, no, but you did laugh. So now it identifies who that he was, who said he's, Sarah's going to have a child, and he's going to return. It's the yud hey vav it's God. It's Adonai who has said this to Sarah, predicted this, uh, said this to Abraham, and predicted this regarding Sarah. So the Lord is here, the Lord is speaking, the Lord is speaking directly to Abraham, Abraham's hearing his voice, Sarah's hearing his voice, uh, the Lord is hearing Sarah's thoughts. And so again, this is divine interaction here taking place. In verse 16, the men arose from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on their way. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. So here now, again, it says the men, the three men, they're walking away from the tent over towards Sodom and Gomorrah, where they can overlook the valley. And as they're walking along, the Lord, Yodei starts speaking again to Abraham. And in verse 22, the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. So it says the men. So is that the three men? It's more than one of them. Right? The men go down towards Sodom, but Abraham's still standing 
there with the Lord. So again, in the verse, two verses, we're sorry, it said the Lord appeared to him. And then it said three men appeared to him. So is it three men and the Lord, fourth appearance there? And so here are three men going down to Sodom and the Lord staying there with Abraham and talking with Abraham. Well, let's keep reading and see what the Bible continues to tell us. Let's go into the next verse, which takes us into the next chapter. Chapter 19, verse 1. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was standing in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them. He made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. These guys got a good appetite, right? They just ate with Abraham. All right, let's give us more. Now they're having a dessert here with, with Lot. They're having some more matzah and, and eating that with Lot. Now it says here, identifies the men who went down to Sodom, not three men, but just two of them. And they're not two men. They're now identified here as angels. And Lot sees them, does not recognize them as angels, recognizes them as men and offers them a place to stay and bread to eat. And they eat with him. Verse four, before they lay down, the men of Sodom surrounded the house and they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Lot went out to them and said, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. Do not do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they came under the shadow of my roof. They pressed hard against uh, Lot and came near to break down the door. It's horrible. We'll get into this part of the story another week. But here again, we have this going back and forth, identifying them as angels, and now here identifying them as men. And the men of the city didn't, they didn't appear as angels to the men of the city. They're not with wings and towering above. They look like men. They said, come and we want the men. We want to know them carnally. We want to uh, have sex with them. And that's where we get the term uh, sodomy from Sodom. And so uh, they are appearing to Lot and to the people of the rest of the city as regular men. Just blood, flesh and blood. But they've already been identified as angels. Verse 10. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door and struck those who were at the doorway of the house with blindness. Again, that was them as men, but obviously it's not just any average man. They just pulled Lot in, able to keep the others out, able to shut the door before the whole city breaks down the door and then puts them all in blindness. Uh, so again, this is divine power taking place here. Angels in appearance as men. Verse 12, the men said to Lot, the Lord has sent us to destroy it. When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry. While he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand and the hands of his two daughters the Lord being merciful to them, to him, and set him outside the city. And so once again, we see it going back and forth, here back and forth, between referring to them as men and referring to them as angels. So it's pretty plain that these 
two of these who appeared to Abraham and that went down to Sodom were in reality angels, but in the form of men, of humanity. In verse 22, go back to chapter 18. So that's who those two men were. Said, who is the third man who appeared to Abraham? Let's go back to that. Genesis, back to Genesis 18, verse 22. The men turned away from there and went to Sodom, but Abraham stood still before the Lord. So the men that went down to Sodom, that was two of them, and they were not men. They were angels appearing as men. And so the third one of the three that came to visit Abraham and ate there was the Lord, yud heh vav Lord, standing with Abraham. And the text continues. Verse 23, Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? And they go back and forth with that for several verses, and we'll get into that in another week. And then he said, not let the Lord be angry. I will speak, but once more, suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy him for the sake of 10. The Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham. So I think it's pretty clear as we just read it at face value, Genesis 18 and Genesis 19, that the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, yud hey vav hey Lord, appeared to Abraham as a human being. The Lord took on flesh and dwelt, for a short period of time there at least, with Abraham, sat and ate bread with Abraham and the other items that he prepared for him. And angels appeared as men and stood there before Abraham and even went down and spent a night in Lot's home. Should it surprise us that God is able to visit us in that way? That God himself is able to lower himself down to humanity's level and come and dwell with us, tabernacle with us, interact with us, speak with us, eat with us. We have a text all the way back to the beginning, Genesis 18, of God doing that. In the Garden of Eden, it says God walked with Adam. But now here, even in the fallen state, God has humbled himself to walk and to eat and to talk directly face-to-face -face with Abraham. I think that's beautiful. That God loves humanity so much. Not a faraway God. Not a God that we don't see. Not a God that we have to make images of to try and see. Not a God who cannot relate to us but a God who comes very, very close to us. Wants to know us. Wants to know what we're like. In John 8, verse 56, Yeshua said to them, 
Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Yeshua is proclaiming himself as the one who stood there with Abraham in Genesis chapter 18, who spoke with him, who prophesied of Isaac's miraculous birth, a birth to a woman who is beyond childbearing age, a miraculous child, born in an unusual way, prefiguring the Messiah to come who would be born in an unusual way, in a miraculous way. He says, I was there. Abraham saw me. And I was there even before Abraham. I was there with Adam and Eve. I am there from the beginning. I am the I am. And they understood exactly what he was saying. And they, those that didn't believe it, many did believe it, but those who didn't believe it picked up stones to stone him to death, which was the right thing to do to anyone who was speaking blasphemy. But the difference is he was not speaking blasphemy because he wasn't saying he is God merely. He is the I am. He is the Lord. He is the yud heh vav Lord. He is the one who came in the flesh in Bethlehem. And he is the one who came in the flesh with Abraham by the terebinth trees in Mamre and ate with him. And he is the same one who comes and dwells with us and visits us, speaks to our hearts and our minds, who loves us with an everlasting love. The Lord became flesh and dwelt among us. And really, again, that shouldn't be so surprising. Surprise those who rejected it when he said it. But it really shouldn't have been that surprising as we read it, Genesis 18 and 19, that the Lord did that in the past. Why would it be so surprising that that's how the Messiah would come in the flesh? to dwell and be with us. And we visit him, we see him, we hear him. Every time conviction comes upon our mind and heart. Every time we realize that we've done something wrong, thought something wrong, had wrong motives, that's God speaking to our hearts and minds. Every time we sorrow for that, every time we, we repent of that, that is God moving upon our heart and mind. Every time we give thanks, every time we rejoice, every time we're thankful for a pretty flower or for a beautiful sunset or for another day or for a meal of food, every time we give thanks, that is God moving upon our hearts and minds and giving us joy and thankfulness. Every time we are generous without expecting something in return, that is God working in our hearts and minds and speaking to us. Every time we put others before ourselves, every time we think of someone else and pray for them or reach out to them and offer a hand or a, a, a helpful 
just even a glass of water or, or even just a smile or a friendly conversation or a word of encouragement or a word of thanks and appreciation or a sincere compliment. That is God speaking to us and speaking through us and working in our lives here in the flesh. Because none of those things are normal. None of those things are natural. None of those things come to us from birth. They are all miraculous. And God does that, those things through those who believe in him and those who don't believe in him. But it's still God at work when those things are manifested in the flesh through human beings. And God wants to visit with us. God wants to speak to us. God wants to show us the way to walk. He's given us his written word so that we can see him, so that we can know him, so that we can understand him, so we can know right from wrong, so that we can know what is in harmony with his heart and his mind and his life and his truth, and so that we can know what is not in harmony with him, not in harmony with the cords of heaven, not beneficial to us and to those around us and to heaven's plan. God has given us his word, divinely inspired, miraculously preserved, and powerfully speaks to us, just as God standing next to us and speaking directly with us. Sometimes we tend to think, oh, I wish I had God come and visit me like he visited Abraham. Well, he does. Maybe not always in physical form, but he does. And maybe if we'd be more open and receptive to him, maybe if we would run to him, maybe we'd bow down before him, even when we don't know it's him. What we've done to the least of those, we've done unto him. We'd hurry to help out. We'd be quick to minister to others and to be a blessing. And as it says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 2, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. And so angels have appeared in human form. And I believe it's very possible for all of us or any of us to have come in contact with angels appearing here on this earth, heavenly angels, and no doubt demonic angels as well, appearing in various different forms. And God tests us. How do we treat them? And how do we treat the least of God's brethren? How do we treat one another? How do we interact with one another? Are we willing to minister? Are we willing to pray? Are we willing to intercede? Are we willing to give of ourselves for others? Are we willing to protect them and protect their reputation and their physical bodies as even Lot was willing to do? God tests us on all these things. Now we do need wisdom because not only have some entertained heavenly angels unaware, 
unwittingly, unknowingly. Some have entertained evil angels, unknowingly, unwittingly, and unawares. And we need spiritual discernment of who are we entertaining, who are we inviting into our homes, into our minds, into our hearts. And we do have to be careful because evil spirits inhabit human beings as well. And evil spirits will control and manipulate and use human beings as well. So we do need spiritual discernment. We shouldn't necessarily run out and invite every single person into our home. We need God's wisdom. We need God's discernment to know. Now, it seems like Abraham just goes running out and inviting three men to come and eat with him. But we do have to see it in the context of Abraham had at least 300 and something armed men who helped him and went to battle and won a whole war. So it's not like Abraham was just sitting there in his tent with, with his old wife. Uh, he, those three men no doubt went past 300 uh, strong men as well as women and children to get to where Abraham was and so past the guard. Now Lot's story is a little bit different. He does just invite him into his home. And doesn't really know them at all and doesn't really have any reason, but uh, he does. And so God moved upon his heart, impressed him that these were the ones to invite in. Obviously, Lot wasn't inviting all the men of the city into his home all the time. And again, we'll see that more uh, in another week that the daughters that are there in the house are, were virgins. And so uh, he didn't invite everyone in all the time, especially those men of that city, but God impressed him as he was at the gate. That those men who came for a visit needed a place to stay and a meal to eat. So again, we need that spiritual discernment. And that comes with being in tune with God. That comes with spending time with God, learning to hear his voice. We hear his voice, again, convicting us of right and wrong, Convicting us of sins in our life. Some people think they're hearing God's voice when they're prophesying that someone's going to have twins, you know, and then they never do. But they thought they heard God's voice. We hear God's voice first and foremost when we hear him speaking to us, speaking to our souls. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. So we hear his voice primarily in those areas. He does give the gift of prophecy at times, but primarily individually, he's to speak to us and convict us of sin, what is wrong and where we've committed sins so that we can, so that we can confess it, receive the Messiah's forgiveness through his sacrifice, through him coming in the flesh, and then, again, as Isaac prefigured, dying in our behalf as a sacrificial offering. Cleanses of sin to remove the sins from our lives, to forgive us, and then to fill us with his Holy Spirit, to come in tabernacle in our hearts and minds through his Spirit, living in us and out of us. 
changing us and transforming us each day more and more into his image. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's how we hear God's voice. And as we yield and listen in those areas and we get used to hearing his voice, then he'll also speak to us, give us spiritual discernment so that we can know who to help, when to help, how to help, and who to be cautious about and how to live out our lives. We'll be prompted by the Holy Spirit to do godly deeds and godly works by his grace and by his truth. So it's a beautiful thing that God visits us in his form, in various forms. Beautiful that God wants to know us and be with us, loves us, with that tender, everlasting love. That he came in the flesh to know our feelings, to know our emotions, to know our hurts, to know our pains, to know what it's like to be born here on this earth, to experience rejection, to experience disappointment, to experience difficulties and troubles, to see firsthand sickness and pain, as well as to experience joy and happiness and blessings. He loves us and he knows us. He knows us personally, just as he knew Sarah, just as he knew Abraham. He knows you, he knows me, he knows the plans that he has for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Give us hope and a good ending as we trust in him and walk in his ways. And so as we pray, you'd like to invite God to visit you. And when we pray, we can ask him to come and visit with us. Again, as we do that, and he does visit us, he may come pointing out areas that need to, that he wants to clean, that he wants to help us with, that he wants to remove out of our lives, out of our hearts, out of our homes, out of our activities, change our desires. And so as we pray, let's open our hearts to him and invite him in. If you want to be used by him, in entertaining angels, in entertaining the Lord himself, in entertaining the least of his brethren, then a moment when we pray, ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit, fill you with spiritual discernment, so you're not codependent, but that you're truly serving him with the right heart, with the right motive, with the right actions, and being a blessing and not a hindrance, helping people, lifting them out of their dependencies, not joining them, joining with them in it, being a blessing. Has got to give us that spiritual sermon and that right spirit to know right from wrong what to say, what not to say when to pour out mercy and love and when to show tough love 
Ask God to open up opportunities for you to manifest his love to those around us. Let's ask him to give us the power to do it and to want to do it and to do it correctly. And if before tonight, before this reading, you doubted that God could actually come in the flesh, you thought that was too amazing, that'd be too much for a divine to do that, to humble himself that way. But as we looked at these texts and saw how he did it for Abraham and how he did it in the flesh and coming in Yeshua. And you want to Acknowledge him and accept him. Accept Yeshua as your Savior, as Emmanuel, as God with us. If you've never done that before, in a moment we pray. You see the power of that. That God came here to this earth. In a moment we pray, you can thank him for doing that and invite him into your heart and mind. Let us pray. We do thank you, Lord. Adonai Elohim, we thank you for coming here and meeting with humanity, for molding Abraham, for molding Adam, for breathing into him, for touching him, for raising him up, for walking with him and speaking with him. Thank you for other divine encounters you've had with us. Thank you for walking and talking with Abraham, meeting with him. Thank you for coming in the flesh as a babe born in a sheep pen. Thank you for tabernacling with us. Thank you for bleeding for us. Thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for tabernacling with us and convicting us of wrong, speaking to our hearts and minds, revealing in our lives areas you want to change and transform and correct and improve. Thank you for giving us the gift of confession and the gift of repentance move upon us and change us. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to recreate us into your image. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come into our lives. Give us love for others. Give us love for you. Give us an urgency to be a blessing. Minister in us and through us. Give us spiritual discernment to know who to help and when to help, how to help. Use us in blessing others, demonstrating your love. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.